I am super glad you're here. Hey, I want to recognize some special folks, if I could have your attention. My mom is here today. She lives in Mississippi. Mom, won't you stand up? I want to just honor her just right in front of me. My mother's been my biggest cheerleader all my life, my biggest supporter, and uh, I'm deeply, deeply grateful. I may tell her more of her story one day, but mom, as a child, immigrated from the Baltic state of Latvia in World War II. The, uh, the Russians came in, drove them from their homeland, and uh, she showed up on the shores of America as a 12-year-old girl. And uh, God has watched over her and cared for her, but honored to be your son. And my daughter, Rebecca, is here, and her fiance, Blake, why don't y'all stand up just a second? Uh, Blake is going to sing for us. Are you, you going to sing for us? No? You're not going to sing? Dance? No, but I'm super happy. Rebecca is on her master's degree at uh, UCA in healthcare administration, and uh, Blake wants to marry her. And uh, he, it, we really like him. He is a fine young man. He's a dedicated Christian. He serves the Lord, and he treats my daughter right, and uh, he owes me lunch for those nice things. <laughs> Well, I missed you last week. I was in Mississippi. I tried to get away about every seven weeks and clear my head. Little picture here. I was uh, my folks' farm in Mississippi, and my two grandkids showed up for a couple days. So we hung out on the tractor a little bit and had a good time. But uh, uh, it started raining, and I got bored, and I just was ready to come back home. So I'm, I'm happy to be with you today. Before I left, you know, I'm always thinking and praying and asking the Lord what he wants me to say to you. Uh, it's not just, I don't have a sermon.com that I go to. Light's a little higher, please, a little, little dark. Um, anyway, we have a text every week. It's from, for our elders and uh, our pastors. And we communicate about things in the church. We communicate about prayer needs. And uh, it just seemed like every day there was one more heavy burden. Somebody has COVID. Somebody's mom died. Uh, somebody's mom and brother died from COVID. It, it was just terrible. And my little nephew, who was born six weeks ago in the hospital, he just wasn't put on weight. And it's that burden is something wrong with him. Then I get a note from my father-in-law, and he has some serious health issues. And I just thought, my Lord, what has happened here? It just seems like it, 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 Christians are not exempt from the pain and heartache and struggle of life. And as I meditated on the crisis and chaos, and those are two words that describe America. I mean, if you want chaos, look at our borders. If you want chaos, look what that, look our nation's being destroyed by so many forces. But as I looked at all the crisis and chaos, I believe I heard the Lord say this to me to tell you that we can trust in Jesus in the midst of the storm. And no matter how hard the winds blow, that we can find peace in the storms through Jesus Christ. There's a picture that I'm using of a hurricane. That's a satellite view, obviously. And that little center dot there in the center is called the eye of the hurricane. Now, on the outside of this hurricane are torrential uh, rains. It might be raining a foot, 18 inches. Uh, winds blow. Winds may blow 150 miles an hour. In this last hurricane in Louisiana, some uh, parishes virtually totally destroyed. And there's all this violence and chaos and crisis outside the eye of the storm. But inside this eye is peace. 
I've even heard that the sun might even shine in the eye of the hurricane. It's like it's free from all the chaos and destruction that's going on outside. And I want to suggest to you there's a spiritual parallel uh, in this storm. Jesus Christ told us in John 16, Jesus said, I've told you these things. So now listen, in me, say it with me, you may have peace. In me. It implies a close relationship. It implies more than just an intellectual acknowledgement of God, more than just a knowledge of Bible facts and characters, but a close relationship with God. In me, you might have peace. In the world, you're going to have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Now, we're going to explore this today. I've called the message, Peace in the Storm. And I thought a great way to explore this truth is, is to um, go over Psalm 23. If you know Psalm 23, mom uh, insisted I go to church uh, as a boy. I was always excited to go, wasn't I, mom? <laughs> I went because we had to go. The church was so small, the preacher came every other Sunday. A little country Methodist church, five pews on each side. But uh, mom insisted I go, and, and, and I, I was in one Sunday school class for six years with one lady. Her name was Miss Julia Guy. And she taught me John 3.16. And then I was in another Sunday school class for six years with Robert Leslie Flynn. And uh, I guess one of them told me, taught me the 23rd Psalm. So listen, parents, win the battle if your kids say, I don't want to go, okay? They lose, you win, right? But Psalm 23, I bet you know it. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For that, ooh. I will fear no evil. I will fear no evil. I will fear no evil. For you are with me. And your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy, come on now, will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's explore this today because all of us, it's, you know, everybody's got problems in the world. I mean, uh, maybe your biggest problem is you broke a nail today. Let me tell you, sister, you're going to make it. But maybe your problem is like my, my, my friend over here who lost his brother that he loved deeply, and there's a void in his heart. Maybe the problem you carry today is you're in the storm of a divorce. Uh, maybe it hadn't come out yet. Maybe you caught your spouse talking to someone in inappropriate ways. Maybe there's a fear you'll lose your job. Maybe you still, still bear the what if about COVID and all the consequences and all these things. I'm telling you, friend, life is filled with trouble because sin came into the world. But Jesus Christ offers us a peace in the midst of life storms. And this is what I want to tell you about, talk to you about today. I, I want to endeavor to imprint this truth for today on you is that you can find a peace in the storms of life through Jesus Christ. Come on, give him a big hand today. All right, let's, uh, let's go verse by verse through this. Uh, verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, or I, sh I have all that I need. Other translation says, the Lord is the one who watches over me. 
Now, this is a tremendous sermon. I'm a great believer in record, in, in writing down and memorizing portions of the Word of God. Because how many know the Bible is often a counterweight to the thoughts that we think? Uh, the Bible is truth. It's not just stories. Uh, and maybe my thoughts are filled with doubt and worry and fear. And the counterweight of the truth of God can bring me back in balance. And here's a great, to, a great one to memorize. The Lord is the one who watches over me. Imagine if a tornado is coming, the sirens are ringing, and you're in the bathroom, and you hear things knocking and shouting and, and everything going on. How about saying this? The Lord is the one who watches over me. I mean, just see yourself just kind of huddled up in the corner and maybe the kids are crying and the dog is barking and the neighbors are shouting and you can't hear anything and you could either say, oh God, don't you know what's happening? <laughs> or you could just lift your hands and say, the Lord is the one that watches over me. And it beckons God to come in our lives. It brings peace to our soul. There's something powerful about the word of God. Um, this whole picture of a sheep and a shepherd. Now, we don't know much about sheep in our society today, but sheep are basically helpless and dependent. And can I make this statement? You and I are helpless and dependent too. Now, listen, if you have your health and money or credit, how many know you can live like you don't need God? But sooner or later, you come against something in life that you can't get over, under, around, or through. And if, it's, if you make it your whole life and you're in your ripe old age and you've conquered everything and you've never had anything you couldn't do, you're going to face death one day, friend. And I don't care how many, you know, how many organic grains that you eat, you're not going to be able to get to the other side of that. You're going to face something that you can't get through. And the quicker we realize that we are helpless, come on, like sheep, and dependent on God. Now, that doesn't mean we don't work hard. It doesn't mean we don't compete. It doesn't mean we don't strive. But there's a recognition in our hearts that all that I am, all I'll ever do is because of God. In Christ, I live and move and have my being. It's called humility. So sheep are helpless. And as a sheep, we need someone to guide us. If we were to let some sheep go at the front door of our parking lot, it's a good chance those sheep would stand right at that front door for hours and hours and hours and get hungry and thirsty and not even go, know where to go for water, uh, water and food. They're just like that. Uh, but in a real sense, we need God to provide for us, to protect us, and keep us on the right pathway. Well, we need a shepherd. Now, a shepherd uh, in, in, in the biblical era and even today, their job was never-ending. Uh, when that shepherd got up in the morning, he would go to the sheepfold. It was a safe place. I mean, you know, we, we're in a safe place with Jesus. Uh, they, he'd go to the sheepfold. He'd bring his sheep. He knew them one by one. He knew their names. I was thinking about uh, uh, reflecting on this message. And my mother's mom, she uh, uh, obviously immigrated from Latvia as well, lost two children. They were uh, conscripted in the Russian army. She never saw them again. Uh, just went through a horrible heartache, owned 300-acre farm. She was a teacher. Granddaddy was a postmaster. Uh, the uh, uh, Russians came in the middle of the night after they'd taken their guns. They came in the middle of the night, barbed-wired their hands together, and took them off for Siberia. And it was an incredible thing, but God had an intent that he would live. The next morning, they wake up from the train, take the barbed wire off, give them shovels, and they're going to dig their graves. In the midst of digging their graves, now listen, the front shifts, German and Russian front shifts, they let him go. He rushes back to his family, uh, gets the horse and wagon and everything they can put in it, and they head off, head off across Europe. If there was someone that could be bitter, it would be my grandmother. 
My mother and I were talking about her, that she was probably one of the sweetest, had some of the deepest faith of anyone that she ever knew. And I was thinking about Mama. Mama uh, uh, is what I called her. She and my granddaddy had a dairy. And Grandma was in her 60s milking cows. And I'm talking about the old way, not the modern way. They had a dairy, and she milked cows. And uh, it was a hard job to do. But I thought how sweet she treated those cows. She knew each one of those cows by name. And she pet them, and she just talked to them, and she was as sweet as she could be. Well, guess what? Our shepherd knows us by name. Our shepherd knows when we mess up. Our shepherd looks over us. And if you know anything about cows, they're not very uh, uh, polite when they go to the bathroom. And when you milk, you got to do a little cleaning up and things. And mama just didn't say, ooh, get away, you're ugly, you're dirty. Just like God doesn't say to us, get away, you're ugly and you're dirty. How many know we have a father that loves us, that cares us, provides for us, protects us, and is with us all the days of our life? He is a good shepherd. Uh, Jesus is our shepherd. John chapter 10 says this. Jesus himself said, I am the, the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for his sheep. Now, verse 14 is so cool. I know my own sheep, and they know me. If you could pause just a moment. Of the, what, 7 billion people on the planet now? God knows your name. He, know, he knew you before you were born. He knows the thoughts that we think, the good ones and the bad ones, and he still loves us. You see, he is our heavenly father. Uh, mom, I, I'm sure mom came, was excited to come see me. She's spending a few weeks, but the reason she really came was to see Bethany's baby, little Mia. And Mia's about that long now. She'll make her debut one day. But uh, all Mia does is uh, she eats, she whines a little, she sleeps, and she goes to the bathroom. And uh, I've noticed Bethany never has thrown her away when she went to the bathroom. <laughs> she, just, she just took care of that little girl. And, and she loves her in spite, come on, in spite of things that would repulse other people, that mom loves that child. And that's how your heavenly father loves you. We live in a performance-based world. You know, Pastor Travis had a great message last week about commitment. And that's part of the Christian life, commitment and maturity. But part of the Christian life is you and I just living in this secret place with our Father, just coming to our God just as we are with our fears, our weaknesses, our troubles, our goods, our bads, and saying, Dad, I need you. I need you to help me. Jesus is the good shepherd. He knows us, and we know him. See, when I was a boy, and through no fault of mom or my church or anything, I, I need a water, please. Through no fault of anybody, I knew about God. I didn't know God. And if I can say it this way, I, I, when, when I would do my praying like this. Um, there's, there's a, we're down by one in the bottom of the ninth inning. I'm the batter. It's two outs. And I'd go to praying. I'd pray when I was in trouble. I'd pray if I wanted something. And it's like the Lord was here, and I'd turn to him and I'd pray. But, then I, but if the prayer was answered when it was over, I may or may not say thanks, but I was going John's way. Now, I was not necessarily an evil person, but I just never turned and surrendered my life to God. And when I made that turn when I was 19, asked Christ to come into my life, and committed my life to follow him, I began to know him. 
And this is what it means to be a Christian, not just go to church, not just go about God, but to know him. And if you've never experienced that, if that's something that your heart desires, I'd be thrilled at the end of our service today to pray for you as you make a commitment of your life to Christ. But uh, let's keep going. Uh, the, the scripture that said, I shall not want, or I have all that I need, doesn't mean he had everything he desires. But what it means is he was content with what he had. If you're not careful, you won't be happy unless you have new shoes instead of old shoes, unless you have a big house instead of a rented room, unless you have a new truck instead of an old truck. But with Jesus, we can find contentment in whatever we have. My grandparents had relatively very little, but they loved life. Uh, my grandfather loved to fish. He'd find a way to get him some minnows. Grandma would always find a way to buy some strawberry plants or something. And though they lived very simple lives, there was a sense of gratitude. Come on. Not a sense of victimhood. Not a mentality like we have today. Somebody owes me. But that came from a relationship with God. L listen to what pa uh, Paul said in Philippians 4. Uh, Paul, uh, it was a missionary thank you letter, and they were supporting his ministry. But he said this, not that I was ever in need, for I have learned, learned what? How to be content. I've learned how to be content with whatever I have. I've learned how to live on almost nothing or with everything. Now, how many can say I'd rather live with everything? Raise your hand, Hal. <laughs> the rest of you fibbing in church. Lord, help us. Get down on our knees right now. Everybody wants to have a nice life. Everybody wants to have more rather than less. But here's the thing. Jesus in the Bible doesn't promise you that you're always going to have more. There may be seasons of lack in your life. There was a time when my family, uh, they went across Europe uh, I remember a story my grandmother telling one time she she goes to town to get and she comes home with a couple pieces of bread and she's got several hungry kids and a hungry husband and she looks across the way there and there's a little child doesn't say anything but you can see that child just is begging for bread and mama said she gave her her bread I mean I mean how long can you eat turnips are you with me today I mean there's times that you don't have a lot but with Jesus you can still be happy you can still be, be at peace. You can still feel that everything's going to be okay. Uh, he went on to say, I've learned the secret of living in every situation because he says, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Amen. And if or when it's hard for you, when you're in a difficult time, ask God to help you. Listen, girls, you're not where you are going to be the rest of your life. You know, and you can be happy where you are until you get to that place that you want to be and dream about in life. This is the wonderful thing about Christians. Contentment and happiness are found in a real relationship with God. Come on, somebody give the Lord a good hand today. <laughs> Verse 2, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. And they got a little picture for you here. Uh, very pastoral setting there. Uh, I think this was with the first iPhone that they took that. Jesus' complexion is a little bit off. But uh, uh, anyway, you can see these sheep uh, look like they have no care in the world. 
Some have eaten all they want. They're resting. There's one that needs extra care sitting in the Lord's lap. Uh, but I want you to leave that picture up there. And let me tell you a little contrasting picture. Uh, last spring, I was uh, chasing this turkey uh, in, in Arkansas. And it was this beautiful three-acre meadow, and, and meadow, and it was two mountains on each side, Arkansas mountains, and I heard him gobbling up on one mountain. Now, listen, just so you'll know, I only shoot the bad turkeys. <laughs> I love animals just like I know you do, and I, it's my job to take care of the bad turkeys. But anyway, uh, he's gobbling, and I get close, and I see him, and he's strutting out in the field, and I'm thinking, oh, boy, and I call, and he won't come over. Uh, you know, he wants me to come to him, and I thought, well, shoot, I'm going to get closer. I get closer, and he's gone. I can't find him anymore, but I look in my binoculars, and I look at the end of the field, and the grass is about that tall. Well, there's a head sticking up, a red head sticking up that tie, just looking around. I snuck up a little closer and I got him. <laughs> but I want you to think about this. Those sheep in peaceful places and that turkey knowing that somebody's after him and looking around and doing everything he can to protect himself. You see, this is what it means to trust in our Father. This is the good shepherd that watches over us. Jesus said this, come to me when life is, is pressured and there's stress, uh, danger. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Amen. Do you believe the Bible? Do you believe it's possible that in the midst of your financial stresses, the stresses over the family problems, the divorce, the, the medical diagnosis, whatever it may be, do you, do you believe it's possible that we can come to a place of peace where we can sleep at night? Listen, I fight, I wrestle just like you do, but I'm telling you, this helps me find that eye of the storm. Uh, Jesus said, if you take my yoke on you and let me teach you, you'll find rest for your souls. Here's a picture of two oxen now. Forgive me for the illustration, but Jesus is the one on the right, the big one, and we're the one on the left. Uh, that yoke would tie two animals together and they would pull a load. Uh, it, it, for certain, this younger animal is depending on the bigger one to show him where to go, how to do it, uh, how hard to pull. But this older animal is experienced and he, he, he could do it all by himself, but he's training the younger one. Well, this is the secret to rest. Jesus said, if you want your rest in your souls, then be submitted to me. Serve me. Do my will and not your own. Be yoked to me. And there's a part of us that thinks, well, if I do that, I won't have any fun in life. And I'm going to tell you, listen, if I could live my life all over again, the only thing I'd have done different is come to Jesus sooner. Because there's a sense of purpose, a sense of meaning, a sense of joy. I've never worried about my wife having an affair on me. I don't have to track her down. I don't have to have GPS devices to see if she's going to somebody's house. Are, are, are you with me today? God has been gracious with my children. Listen, God has been good to me. But here's the question. How do you find this kind of rest? Pastor, can I go to the drugstore and get a bottle? N no. But I, wanna, I, want you, I want you to listen to this, just a verse of a song. It's just about a minute. But it's called In the Garden. And we used to sing this in our little country Methodist church. And I want you to listen how this person finds rest. Go ahead. I come to the garden alone 
while the dew is still on the roses and the voice I hear falling on my ear the sun of God discloses Come on, and he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own and with me and he talks with me then it amazing that people that don't believe the Holy Spirit speaks today sing that song and expect it to happen but isn't it true that there is a place that you can go and be quiet with God see here's a problem usually what we do when we're stressed and chaos and crisis is everywhere we turn on the TV and watch our favorite show for hours or you know we get a case of beer and you know that takes care of it for the night but it'll be the same tomorrow now I'm not advocating the beer but you understand what I'm saying or we escape somehow from it but the problem is whenever you wake up in the morning it's there, it's still there if you'll just take some time to just go and be alone with Jesus you say, you don't understand. I just, I got to get the kids. I got to get ready. And then I got to drive to work. Well, when you drive to work, turn off the radio and just be quiet and just invite the Lord to be near you. I'm not talking about spooky, mystical, and weird. I'm talking about the reality of the scripture in James that it says, if you draw near to God, God will draw near to you. Come on, give him a good hand today. He will give you peace. Let's, I'm going to skip down to verse 3. He restores my soul. He renews my strength. And the second part, he leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. This idea of restoring my soul. How many know stress and storms take it out of you? I can't imagine how Michael and Lyric felt for six weeks with their newborn in the hospital. I can't imagine what it was not like going to the hospital every day with COVID, every day wearing a mask and all the things that you have, but only to leave your baby and go back home. Our soul gets empty. It gets weak. We get discouraged. We get hopeless. But Jesus wants to give us new strength. He wants to put a new heart in us. You say, well, how can, how, can you tell me how to get that? I'm glad you asked. Isaiah chapter 40, take this, go to the pharmacist and tell him you want a bottle of Isaiah chapter 40, number 31. Take pill number 31. They who wait on the Lord shall, can we say it again? They that wait on the Lord will renew their strength. Now waiting, it's hoping, it's trusting, but it is somewhat centering ourselves. How do we wait? Is this, is this waiting? 
turning your phone, no, throwing the phone. It, it's more than that. Uh, let, me, it, let me suggest this. Waiting on God is endeavoring to spend time in his presence. Jeremiah 23, we read this in our reading last week, and I've been pondering it every day. It's kind of a negative. Jeremiah's asking the, the false prophets, have any of these prophets been in the Lord's presence to hear what he's really saying? And here's a question for us. Do I seek to be in the presence of the Lord to know what he's saying to me about my situation? If you don't have, when you have the voice of the Lord, you're grounded. Until you get it, you don't know what you're going to do. When Linnell was diagnosed with breast cancer, 10 days probably, we didn't know what we were going to do. I didn't, uh, every night she's fallen asleep and I reach over and just try to touch her and just wonder if she's going to be there in 10 months. I mean, what doctor would we go to? How bad is it and all that? But I'm reading my Bible one morning. And it was an obscure scripture in the Old Testament. And it said, it is well. It is well. All is well. And it had nothing to do with healing. But it was like the Holy Spirit spoke to me through that. And I knew because I've been waiting on the Lord, seeking the Lord, praying, asking God what to do. All of a sudden it came and I had peace. And I moved out of the storm or around the hurricane. And I got in the center of the storm. When I had my little battle with panic and anxiety attacks, and it was just horrible. And I just didn't know if I was going to be able to come back to, to, to life and work and ministry. And I took three months off on a medical sabbatical. And I'm laying in bed one morning, and this is just like it was yesterday. I get ready to get out of bed. I didn't do anything different. But I heard this voice that says, when you return to me, strengthen your brethren. It was not a voice I heard with my ear, but somehow inside, spirit to spirit, the Holy Spirit was communicating to me. It was a passage about Peter going back and doing the will of God. And I knew instantly two things. Number one, I knew that I was going to be okay. And number two, I knew I was going to be able to resume the ministry God had called me to. I'm telling you, there's something about the presence of the Lord that can still every storm. Come on, give him a good, a good hand. Uh, the second part of the verse, he leads me. Well, for many, uh, we look into our future and it looks pretty good. You know, we still have a job. Uh, we have a measure of health. We have COVID antibodies or a vaccine or something or, or, or whatever we're taking. We think we're going to be okay. But for others, it may look, look a little dark and uncertain. You know, not too long ago, Mr. Biden gave a mandate that 100 million Americans would have to either take the shot or lose their jobs. And this is not a pro-vaccine, anti-vaccine statement. It's simply, uh, Pastor Travis said last week, seven or eight people talked to him and said, I could lose my job if I don't take this vaccine. And again, I'm not saying pro or con. I'm just saying, what do you do then? Is he leads me still true? Let me give you a prescription. Go to the drugstore. It's Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. What's it say? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths 
Listen, the most important thing I tell you in all this is have the peace of the Lord in making your decision. Don't let the internet influence you. Come on now. Don't let somebody else pressure you. Don't let a talking head influence you. You go to God. Lord, here's the facts as I understand them. Now, what am I supposed to do? And I'm going to do what you said to do and trust that you're going to lead me. But not only lead me, he leads me in paths of righteousness. Now, how many know sometimes sheep go astray, but so do followers of Jesus Christ? Any Christians ever gone astray in the room here? This is a good chance to be honest, you that were lying a minute ago. Yeah, most of us have. We've gone astray. But here's what I want you to know. A straying sheep is still a sheep. And a backsliding or disobedient Christian is still a Christian is still a son of God or still a daughter of God. And I say this today not to encourage you that it's okay to stay on your path of rebellion against God, but to say that your father loves you. In spite of what you've done or what you've not done, there is a loving God that cares for you and wants to get you back on track. See, he restores us in the right way. And how many know ultimately God's way is the right way? Somebody say praise the Lord. All right, let me close with this. And this is, the, 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 I think, the, the heart of the whole psalm. It's the most important verse. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, say it with me, I will fear no evil for... You're with me. Can we say that again? I will fear no evil for you are with me. Now imagine yourself locked in your closet and the, tornadoes, the tornado sirens are going off. Let's say it. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Imagine yourself in the surgery suite, and you just let go of your spouse's hand. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Imagine your spouse just walks out of the house and says, I'm not coming back. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. See, this is where the Bible gets real. This is how you apply the Bible to everyday life. It's like I want the truth of the Bible to trump, to be stronger than my doubts, my fears, the lies in my mind, the feelings. I'm trusting the truth of God's Word. This is powerful. I'm preaching better than you're amening here. Uh, you see, the Good Shepherd promises to be with us and protect us no matter what we face. Uh, we're never alone. You are never in a situation where, you're, where God is not with you. Hebrews 13 says, God himself has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Again, you're laying on the gurney going in under the knife. I will never leave you or forsake you. you there's a car accident front and you're slamming on your brakes. If you can come out of your mouth, I will never leave you or forsake you. See, God is with us even when bad things happen. But many in times in our lifetime, we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Anybody been in a car accident and flipped several times or one of your kids and, and you know, they told you it's a miracle you're alive? You just walk through a valley. Uh, how about a sickness? I was so sick with that COVID last January, I didn't know if I was going to live or die. Uh, they made me go to the hospital. My oxygen level was low. I packed a suitcase like I was going to spend the rest of my days there. But I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. But one day we're all going to die. Except me. <laughs> one day every one of us is going to die. 
What then, preacher? Is what you're telling me, is it not work? Oh, if I got something for you. Tell the pharmacist you want John 11 and a double on 25 and 26. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, say it, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. So what in the world, what in the world does that mean? That means that, listen, friends, death is not a period. Death is a comma. Your last breath on earth is your first breath in eternity. Your spirit man will be freed from your body, and one day your body will be resurrected, but your spirit will go to be in the presence of the Lord. Come on now. And you're going to be with the saints in heaven that are looking down rejoicing. Nobody wants to die. Death is part of the curse. The Bible says death is an enemy to all of us. You know, we were were created to live and not die. Sin is why people die. But I want to tell you, friends, Jesus gives us hope beyond the grave. Life on earth is temporary, but heaven is forever. You say, well, what if I'm in a situation? I'm about to die. What should I do then? Do like Stephen and just lift your hands to heaven. Come on, just lift your hands to heaven and just declare out loud, I believe in you, Lord Jesus. And you said those that would believe would not perish but have everlasting life. If your head is on the Spanish guillotine or the French guillotine, let that be the last word that comes out of your mouth. Come on now. Don't be a Mel Gibson and shout freedom. You shout Jesus. (laughs) Well, listen, I'm done. Verse 5, let's wrap it up here. Last two verses of the psalm. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. What's happened? He was just in the valley of the shadow of death. And now he says, you prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy and love, your unfailing love, will pursue me all the days of my life. And I'm going to live in the house of the Lord forever. His house, friends, was where his presence was. It's the presence of God in our gathering here on earth in worship. One day, it's the eternal abode of God. Listen, David began this psalm in the valley of the shadow of death, and then he had to tell himself the truth. Then he had to tell himself to make himself believe some things that were true. The Lord is my shepherd. My shepherd's going to feed me. He's going to guard me. He's going to protect me. He's going to guide me. He's going to care for me. My shepherd has a rod. My shepherd has a staff, and he's going to protect me from evil. And all of a sudden, fear broke off of him. All of a sudden, the crisis of that hurricane where the winds were blowing was no more. And he just looked up, and he said he was in the eye of the storm because the good shepherd had given him peace. And the same thing the good shepherd did for David, he'll do for us today. Come on, give him a big hand today. He is worthy of all our praise. Come on, give him a big hand. Jesus Christ, worthy, 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 worthy. Why don't you stand to your feet with me today, and I want to pray with you. Now, I want you to do me a favor. Before you make your final decision about Mexican or Cracker Barrel or somewhere else, I want you to turn your heart back towards God just a moment. And I want to pray for you. But I also have a prophetic word for you today. God gave me yesterday. If you're here today and 
you're in a crisis. If you're here today and chaos is in your life, or maybe someone you love and share a burden for is in a crisis, I believe the Lord wants to speak to you. But if that's you today and you say, Pastor, I'm in a crisis, I need God's help, would you just lift your hand right now all over the church building? Yeah, all over. Just lift your hand. Don't be afraid. You don't have to do anything. Nobody's going to embarrass you. But just say, I'm in a crisis. Because I've got a word from God. Steve's going to record this. And I want you to listen to this. Hear what I heard the Lord say yesterday. The Lord said, you're being tested. And I was reminded of the words of Simon Peter when Jesus told Peter, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. But Jesus said, I have prayed for you that your faith would not fail. And I hear the Lord saying today that your faith is being tested. It's bigger than the divorce. It's bigger than finances. It's bigger than disease. But it is a battle for your faith. And Satan is trying to steal your faith. Satan is trying to rob your joy. Satan is trying to take away your peace and your confident assurance in your God. Satan is trying to torment you. But it is time, child of God, to believe once again. It is time to find the secret place with God. It is time to find what no man can give you. That your trust is in the Lord. That as you hear the word of the Lord, the word of the Lord, will be life to you it will protect you it will guard you it will keep you in perfect peace because your mind is stayed on him and I hear the Lord saying as you would remember what the Lord has done in the past God will do it again for you as you look over your shoulder and remember the faithfulness of God in yesterday it will give you faith to believe in what's going to happen tomorrow because your God is for you he is not against you says the Lord come on give the Lord a good hand today all right we want to pray for you now if you're one of those folks in a crisis, whether you lifted your hand a minute ago or not, doesn't matter. But if you want prayer right now, lift your hand right now, and somebody's going to pray for you. Now, I want you to look all over the room and put your hand on the shoulder of every person that's got their hand lifted. Everybody that's got their hand lifted, turn around, Christian. Here's a couple right here. Make sure someone puts their hand on that young lady's shoulder over there. If you want prayer right now, just lift your hand. We're going to pray right now. Godly people are going to pray for you right now. Come on, let's just begin to pray. Let's just begin to pray. You pray, whether your hand's touching someone or not. You just begin to pray for them right now. Father, we pray for our brothers and sisters now. Lord Jesus, men and women that are here that are honest, that are hurting, that are lonely, that are struggling, that are dealing with fear and anxiety and worry. We just want to speak words of peace over them right now. We just want to say to the storm, peace be still in Jesus' name. God, we just pray that you give them the capacity, the ability to go into the secret place of the Most High God and let them find their peace. Let them find their wisdom to know what to do, Lord. Let their table be full. Let their cup be overflowing. We just declare over them that this storm will not destroy them, but they're going to come out and they're going to emerge stronger because they have connected with their God. And we bless them today right now. Come on, just say that with me. We bless you right now. We bless you. We pray the goodness of the Lord would overtake you. Come on, pray that right now. We pray that God would smile on you. We pray that God would do you good all the days of your life as you dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, give the Lord one last hand here. He's worthy of praise. Let, let me ask you one more simple question before I go. Remember when we talked about going through the valley 
of the shadow of death. Nobody likes to think about it, but it, it happens to everybody. God forbid, but if you went through that valley today, this afternoon, if you died today, are you 100% sure you'd go to heaven? There's no, more, there's no more significant question to ask. And I want to give this opportunity today. I don't have anything to offer but to point you towards Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ is the one that can forgive our sins. Jesus Christ is the one that can offer us the hope of eternal life. Jesus Christ is the only one that ever conquered the grave. And he can do the same for us what he did for himself. And if you're here today and say, Pastor, I'm ready to become a follower of Jesus Christ. I need the forgiveness of God. I'm ready to become a follower of Jesus Christ, and I want someone to pray for me right now. If that's you, would you just lift your hand? Let me pray for you. Say, Pastor, I want to get right with God. Give him a big hand today. Others, just lift your hand. Wait a minute. God bless you too, sir. Just lift your hand. Anybody else say, I want to get my life right with God today. Wave your hand at me real high now so I'll know who you are. You're not joining this church. What we're doing is I just want to give you a chance to make a commitment of your life to Christ. Anybody else today say, pray for me. I'm committing my life to Christ. All right, why don't y'all come on up? Let us pray for you right now. Why don't you come bring your friend and let's come over to the cross right now. Bring her with you. Yeah, bring her with you. Come on over. Give them a big hand today. And, 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 and I need some people over here. Two men that are at the cross having the courage to come and stand. I need, I need some brothers to come and stand with them right now. Steve, why don't you help them right here? Yeah, I need a couple more. Yeah, I need a couple more people to stand with them. There you go. Listen, let me tell you right now, I know it's a little awkward in, in, in a church setting. A lot of people that you don't know. But the Bible says angels in heaven are rejoicing. Angels in heaven are rejoicing because you're coming home to Jesus. And uh, uh, you're not joining this church. If you want to one day, we'd be honored to have you. But right now, we want to help you get connected to Jesus. And they're going to pray with you. Someone near you, they're going to pray with you. And in that prayer, two things will happen. Number one, you'll ask God to forgive you for what you've done wrong. That's called an acknowledgement of sin. Number two, you add a willingness to turn from your sin. Lord, I want to follow you. And that's your commitment. Lord, I want to follow you. And that's the starting place for being a Christian. They'll give you some things that'll help you if you'll read them, if you'll go through them. It'll make a huge difference in your life. I'll start, if you leave us your phone number, I'll start sending you three-minute videos every other day about how to grow as a Christian. But let me tell you, we're real proud of you, and the people gathered around you will help you now. Give them one more big hand. God bless you. Amen. Listen, this is what church is about. Worshiping God, hearing from God, seeing people make commitments to follow Christ. Listen, I want to invite uh, other members of our prayer team to come up right now. If you need any prayer, uh, we would love to pray with you. But listen, as we leave this place, we are called to be ambassadors for Christ. We're called to live for Jesus. We're called to tell people about him. We're called to make disciples, invite people to church. Let's make a commitment right now that this week we're going to live for Jesus and we're going to influence people for Jesus. Amen. Listen, on your way out, make sure you check out CMA's table. Uh, if you'd like to give your tithes or your offerings, you can do that on the way out. Our prayer team is here. Let's lift our hands. Let's go out praising God. Amen.